Wrestling with Shadows. This was a documentary that began uh, about like earlier that year. So like you see a lot of what's leading up to it. I mean, of course you see from when Bret Hart was a kid, you see uh, a lot of stuff about his dad. You see a lot of stuff about uh, growing up with Stampede, uh, working on Stampede, Stampede getting bought out by WWE and his slow rise to becoming the WWE champion leading up to this one moment. And if you watch this documentary, and I've seen it a few times, I just rewatched it. Uh, I, I, I weirdly rewatched Beyond the Mat too, just because like I, I just think there's just a weird, weird like connection between the two. Like one, they're both showing dark sides of wrestling, and they're both showing light sides of wrestling, but they are like kind of the same thing in a way. But this one is more of clearly a Bret Hart documentary and it's clearly about his the main part of the documentary is dealing with his decision to go to WCW or to stay with WWE um, early on he decides to stay with WWE for the most part and then the basically the decision comes up again and he chooses WCW over WWE so you have a lot of groundwork that led up to this happening and the fact that he was able to negotiate contracts with WCW was very much um, Vince McMahon trying to keep him like knowing about that like honestly there was a lot going into that I've listened to a lot of different people talk about it. I've listened to Jim Ross talk about it. I listened to Jim Cornette talk about it. I listened to two Jims talking about it weird but uh the what, what Jim Cornette brings up is the fact that the biggest mistake was to let him negotiate with WCW, but not taking the title off of him. Now, this would be Bret Hart's fifth WWE title reign. This would be the weirdest one because he was straight bad guy throughout this entire year um, because he started fighting Stone Cold Steve Austin and Stone Cold Steve Austin was liked by a lot of people. He was becoming that rising star that Sean was slowly becoming in 1992. So Steve Austin was becoming this next John Cena or something like that, or the next Bret Hart or the next whatever. But uh, the the interesting thing about it is that the roles are sort of reversed, and you think that Bret Hart is leaving it in the hands of Shawn Michaels, when that's not even relatively true, because Shawn Michaels didn't last long after this. Like he, I was listening to the uh, talk back but between uh bret hart and Shawn michaels about this very thing and bret hart felt early on that he was basically being thrown aside for Shawn michaels and it's kind of funny how he was thinking that throughout this entire time but then Shawn michaels would end up getting tossed out not too long after that because of back issues and losing his smile and whatever what have you so like it be it was really like the beginning of stone cold steve austin and the beginning of uh, Mr. McMahon as a bad guy. So essentially, like, the Montreal Screwdrop was the beginning of the complete killing of the the era right before and loading up what would become the main part of the Attitude Era, which was Stone Cold, The Rock, Vince McMahon, Chris Jericho, and all those people trying to break their way through, even, like, the slow, methodical rise of Triple H. So, like, you have so much going into what happened. Uh, Cause like the, 
Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart were like the big late 90s guys. Like Hulk Hogan basically Hulk Hogan Macho Man basically handed them the reins right before jumping ship to WCW. So Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels kind of took that place of being the heads of the company essentially. Like they were either they were fighting each other or they were fighting a bunch of other people. And then this was the point where kind of the beginning of the end for Shawn Michaels and the end for Bret Hart in WWE. So it was the beginning of a new generation, beginning of a new era, beginning of the attitude era in a way. Like a lot of people say that D generation X and Shawn Michaels were the beginning of the attitude era, but I, I see that. But honestly with, that they're kind of the people that transitioned from the late 90s stuff into what would become the Attitude Era, but the real stars of the Attitude Era are Stone Cold and The Rock. Like, that's an understatement, that they are the heads of the Attitude Era. They are the John Cena and Randy Orton of the Attitude Era, the Hulk Hogan and Macho Man of the Attitude Era. You can see that by the fact that they keep they kept fighting throughout the attitude era and the attitude era would end up ending like with them fighting. So this was such a big thing. So we're going to get to that turning point from this late nineties era of WWE to this like 99 to like 2003 era of the WWE, which was full on stone cold as the main event the Rock is the main event. So here is the turning point, the climax, the final staple in the 90s rivalry of Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. The Montreal Screwjob at Survivor Series 1997. So like I was saying in my last episode, um, this match is the only match out of the three that is drastically different. It is not the same kind of match. And I said at the end of the last episode that take everything you know about a Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart match and just chuck it out the window because this match is just something very different. It's not the same match. There's a lot more drama. There's a lot more tension, be it it personal tension be it kayfabe tension uh the chemistry is there but it's disrupted like i don't see as much chemistry with this match as i do with some of the other ones i mean there still is that natural chemistry that both these two have but it's not as strong because of the amount of energy they have towards each other and i don't know exactly how sean actually feels about bret hart at this moment but i know Brett is probably wanting to like take him take him out. Like it's literally a hard match to kind of think about because it's just so different. So the match doesn't even start immediately. They enter and Brett and them both start fighting and like Brett starts punching away at Sean and beating him down and then he throws him out of the ring and they're out of the ring for a good amount of time. They're fighting out of the ring, they go up the ramp. They're fighting up the ramp. They finally get back in the ring after all this fighting, and he immediately starts choking him out with the Canadian flag, and then the match starts. Like So just starting out with this match, there's a lot of 
physical stuff that happens right before. And it that's why it just doesn't feel like a normal match for these two for me. And it isn't. It's the last time that they fight. And it could have ended so differently. It Honestly, if, he, if Brett wasn't going, this could have been a great match. And it was a good match. Uh, it's definitely not my favorite. And the controversial ending kind of pushes it to not be my favorite because of that. Um, there's just a lot going into what's going on. I mean, first of all, you've got China and Triple H because D D generation X is a thing. They're kind of sort of involved. And then you've got on, um, you got on the other side, you got Bret Hart with the entirety of the Hart foundation coming down. And it just, it seems like a big explosion rather than a match. And when it finally, gets to that point where they're actually fighting in the ring. And then when they finally get to that point where they're actually to the end, it almost seems like they restarted the Iron Man match. Cause like they were by the time the first bell rings, they're at that point where they're exhausted. <laughs> and so like they're at that point of a latter half of a match and they're coming at each other with everything that they have instead of trying to feel each other out. Cause they don't need to feel each other on this one. Um, so when it ends the way it does with the sharpshooter, and this is what I was talking about last episode, the big kind of ending to this whole thing, is, and the fact that there is no type tapping out in this time. And this was like the beginning of probably more people tapping out because of certain things like this. And they probably, in some way, I do not know this for certain, but I have a feeling that they started doing the like clear tapping out because of stuff like this. So there couldn't be something like this happening again, unless it was completely storyline and everybody knew about it. So, but yeah, Bret Hart didn't tap out because there was no tapping out. So it's all literally Earl Hebner kind of, it's on his shoulders of saying Bret Hart gave up. So they have a way of spinning it to where they come out in the right saying that Bret Hart gave up, Bret Hart lost, Bret Hart actually lost the match. And just delving back into the uh, Shadow of Wrestling stuff, before that match, they let Bret Hart feel so comfortable with how that match was going to end up. They let him feel so comfortable with what they were going to do. They let him believe that he was going to forfeit the title the next night on Raw. They they let him believe that. And then they just completely shut that down. I don't know why they didn't expect the reaction that they did. Maybe they did. Um, definitely Bret Hart looked like, for a minute, it looked like Bret Hart wasn't going to leave that ring. Like, it looked like he was just staying claim to being in that ring. And, like, nobody was going to get him out of that ring. Uh, when he finally did leave... Of course, there's so much going on um, uh, uh, in the back. There's confrontations between Triple H and Bret Hart's wife. There's a uh, confrontation between Bret and Sean, and Sean has complete deniability. And, I mean, that's what they were trying to set up, trying to set up, like, and I'm sure they probably talked about this. Like, it has to seem like it's Earl Hebner's fault because if it doesn't, then – Sean will get his ass kicked in the locker room. Like if Sean does something, 
he will get his ass kicked in the locker room because they're changing in the same fucking locker room. <laughs> like literally, he's taking off his boots, talking to Sean's like, "Are you in on this?" And he's like, "No, I didn't. Not in, I wasn't in on any of that. I didn't even know what the fuck was going on. I just got told take your belt and go to the back, and that's what I, that's what I did." So essentially, giving him that much deniability to where it wouldn't be until later that Bret Hart was uh, angry with him, you know? And so, I mean, he was probably still pretty angry with him. He probably didn't totally believe it, but like he had no reason not to believe that Sean was just doing what he was told. He had no reason not to. And then of course, Earl Hebner getting basically dragged out of the fucking building and put into a fucking car. And like, he's like, you need to get the fuck out of here before uh, Bret Hart kills you. <laughs> and then he, uh, the final confrontation between Brett and uh, Brett and Vince, where he punched him in the face, and then you can see his black eye in the interviews afterwards. Uh, it's definitely one of the weirdest backstage things to see, and I'm wondering how. And I, I want to look up more stuff into the story about this documentary about if they got if they were trying to get sued by WWE, if Vince McMahon really didn't want people to see this documentary because of what actually happened. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's some of the best publicity this documentary. Um, so this is probably one of the most controversial moments. Uh, the par- biggest part that bugs me about this whole thing is how friendly everybody was before it happened. Like, they were able to talk to everybody. They were able to go and visit with everybody. Everybody was visiting with the kids. Everybody was happy. I think there was, like, even a point where Sean was uh, was uh, playing around with uh, Blade Hart, uh, his, I think, his oldest son. Uh, there's just all these comfortability that happened before this match starts that making them feel comfortable. It just makes me feel so uncomfortable because of what happens in the end. And then to have Bret Hart go to WCW like he did and essentially get shit from WCW because their creative wasn't doing that well either at the time. I mean, I feel like Bret Hart should have went to WCW way earlier than this because he went to WCW in the latter half and uh, when things started going downhill. Like, I mean, he was talking about how, yeah, he's overtaking WWE in the rankings. That wouldn't last long. And literally the King of the Ring was probably the biggest part of that because it gave birth to Stone Cold and then Stone Cold would eventually draw those ratings back to WWE. So it wasn't Degeneration X that got all the ratings. It really wasn't because you're not going to fight fire with the same fire. You're not going to take DX and NWO and say which one's more popular. I mean, clearly NWO did it. And DX just seemed like a copy. And of course, it did get a lot of people enjoying it. But what really set them apart was certain things that were different, like Mankind, um, uh, The Rock, and Stone Cold. Things that were different. They're hardcore characters that they were bringing to the table. And uh, even like The Undertaker, like eventually, like those four characters kind of brought everybody slowly back into the fold, and they were the top characters for that time and so it's it is such a different environment i'm not a huge fan of the wcw stuff maybe like the early early stuff but like as soon as hulk hogan gets to any company 
sure it'll have some time with the ratings are good, but then it just ends up shit. So it just sucks that Bret Hart was taken there. And I mean, it was very clear that he was drained in his WCW run. It was very clear he didn't have the same energy in his WCW run. It was like just kind of going through the motions of his WCW run. Um, but yeah, like Bret Hart will always be one of my favorites. Shawn Michaels will always be one of my favorites. Uh, this was a good, a good like podcast trilogy thing for me to do because I've, I've liked both of these two for so long. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Brett and I've been a huge fan of Sean and Sean is the reason why I'm a fan of Brett because their matches have been some of the best matches in WWE history. This is one of the best rivalries. Um, like the only thing WWE has even done that resembles this and it only resembles the drama. It doesn't really resemble that great of matches and stuff like that. And they have had good matches, but the Matt Hardy and Edge thing. Well, that's another thing I'm comparing it to. I keep comparing this to so many different things, but like the Matt Hardy and Edge thing had about the same amount of drama between two people, um, and like a, 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 the same amount of hatred and the same amount of like if something were to happen in any of those matches, the other person would literally probably beat the shit out of him. So that's kind of similar there. And I've, I, I've spent this entire trilogy comparing it to so many different things. Uh, which I shouldn't because it came before most of the things I'm comparing it to. So like I've compared it to Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Okada, Okada versus Omega, I've compared it to Tommaso Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano. I've compared it to so many different things. Um, but when it comes down to it, minus the Tanahashi versus Okada thing, because they are from Japan. So there is a likelihood that they did not have too much influence from Brett and Sean, but anything in WWE, I feel like kind of has that. We want to be as good as rivalry, even if it's not the same rivalry, even if it's totally different, we want to be as good of a rivalry as Brett and Sean without actually hating each other. <laughs> and I'm sure they're fine now. I mean, they probably don't like talking to each other. Like they've probably forgiven each other, but they're not going to, they're not on speaking, speaking terms. I'm betting. And I'm, I think that they would do stuff with WWE together, but they would not really want to be seen together outside of that. And I don't know them personally. I don't know if this is true. I don't know where their heads are at, according to each other. I know Shawn Michaels is in a definite better place than he was at that time, being away from drugs, being away from all that stuff. And now he's retired. He's had some of the best matches in his latter half of his career with the matches with Undertaker and matches with John Cena and all that stuff like and that that that's another thing that kind of bugs me about this whole Montreal Screwdrop thing is that Shawn Michaels got to go on to do all these great matches after everything was done and Bret Hart got his career ended and the only thing that he got was a couple like a Survivor Series match and a match at WrestleMania against Vince McMahon that's all he got in return for this. And it's just, it definitely, I feel like Sean got the better end of the stick, no matter what you turn on this. Cause he, he can come back and show up in WWE anytime, have as many matches as he wants. Nobody's going to care because he's still in okay shape enough to do matches. Like he's probably not in wrestling shape, but I bet you it would, would not take him that long to get into wrestling shape. That was my computer.
Let me turn that volume down. <laughs> that was really loud. I did not expect that. But anyway, this was a fun three-day thing for me to do. I had a little more time this week because uh, because of coronavirus, we've been given like one more day off than we usually get. So I decided I was just going to sit there and watch wrestling for a while. And I've been on a wrestling kick, a classic wrestling kick, which I'm never on. I usually watch a lot of new stuff. I haven't been on a classic wrestling kick in a long time, but I woke up Friday morning and I was just like, I really want to watch Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. And I looked up Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels on YouTube. And the first thing I saw was the 1992 one. And I'm like, I've never really watched that one. And honestly, out of the three, I still like that one the best. Uh, as weird as that sounds, like, of course, the Iron Man match is always going to be legendary. And a lot of people really like to watch how physical and how controversial the Montreal Screwjob was. But when it comes down to just a standard match between two great, young, hungry competitors, one in his mid-30s, one in his late 20s, maybe early 30s, I don't even know. I don't know how old Sean was in 1992. Um, it's just a perfect match, and honestly, I would show that to anyone who wants to get into wrestling. Like, if I have a kid... I'm going to show them that and be like, this is what wrestling is. And this is where it begins for me. And I know a lot of people are probably going to think like, well, well, like Ric Flair, like Holly Race or Hulk Hogan. It's like, yes, I understand there are legends, but the legends in my eyes are Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. <laughs> as weird as that is. And I like, I was born after I was born in 94. So like three years before the Montreal screw job, like, two years before their uh, Iron Man match. So I was like three and two when those things happened. So like their rivalry ended before I even comprehended what wrestling was. But uh, I still looked back on that stuff because I was into wrestling. My cousin got me into wrestling and I was really into Stone Cold. And of course, The Undertaker was the first person to get me into wrestling. But as I grew up, I looked back even further at Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And I feel like that's where I kind of stuck like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. That's if you're wrestling nowadays, even comes close to that. I am all for it, which is why I love Kenny Omega. I love Okada. The young bucks are going to be my favorites for a while. Uh, Cody puts on some great matches. I'm doing a lot of AEW non name dropping. Chris Jericho is one of the greatest of all times. And I mean, let's even look at WWE. I do kind of like Seth Rollins, I guess. <laughs> There's a couple people I like in WWE, mainly the NXT guys. I, I'm a huge fan of Finn Balor and stuff like that. So just anybody that kind of resembles that, I am all for. That's kind of where my wrestling lies. As much as I'm okay, I'm okay with the comedy segments. I know Jim Cornette just fucking hates the comedy segments and stuff like that. He thinks they're exposing the business. Newsflash, asshole. The business has already been exposed. Everybody fucking knows, all right? <laughs> you can't just slip back into kayfabe after all this shit's already happened, like the Montreal Screwjob and like Beyond, Beyond the Mat. Like, you can't just, like, the cat's out of the bag, per se. You can't just shove it back in there and say kayfabe exists. But that's just anger, and I don't want to do be angry on this. Okay. So <laughs> that's the end of this one. Uh, I'll probably be back next week. If I have the same days off, it'll be next weekend. 
and I will put out a, another pilot episode, which is essentially where I review pilots and see if they get me in, into the show enough. And uh, let's actually go to Hulu right now, maybe, or let's see. TV shows. Let's just look up TV shows on the computer real quick, and I'll see if there's anything that I haven't watched and would like to dig into. Uh, there's a couple shows that I can't do because uh, I do have a wife, so we have to watch things together. I might do Game of Thrones. That would be a good one. Uh, I have not watched an episode of that uh, Peaky Blinders. I've seen a lot of gifts from that show. I might do that. Let's see here. My whole ruling is it has to be shows that I haven't watched anything from. So like not even one episode of it. So uh, I might watch the Witcher uh, pilot at some point. Let's click this. See if I can get more shows, more shows, more shows, more shows. All right, <laughs> that was weird. Uh, the Titans show I could probably get into. I wanted to get into all the Marvel shows like Runaways and Legion just to kind of see where the, if those get me involved with it. Um, not really into the cartoon Star Wars stuff as much as those are probably really good. I just never really have gotten into them. So I might watch one of those as, as, a, as an intro pod, pilot. Uh, da 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 the last shows I have seen, like Russian Doll and Haunted Hill House, those are fucking great shows that I won't be doing a pilot thing on because I've already watched them all the way through and they're fucking great. If you haven't watched either of those shows, you should check them out. Uh, now there's just advertisements for stuff. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll look through some stuff. I know that there's a lot of stuff that I haven't seen, a lot of really cool, interesting shows that I just haven't really given the chance because I have... So many shows that I already watch. Um, we're about to finish up Supernatural, so that opens me up for a hell of a lot of shows. Um, but yeah, a lot of our shows are kind of either on the back end or ended or being canceled and stuff like that. And so I'm actually at a point where I could start some new shows. So we'll get that started. Thanks for listening.